Hello, and welcome to the Bookish Banter Podcast, where we'll be sharing our opinions about our favorite books, authors, and bookish impulse buys. Follow along on our journey to finishing and sharing our endless TBR. Go ahead and subscribe, leave us a review, and follow us on our Instagram and TikTok at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Let's get started. I think it's fair to say you guys know I love coffee. I cannot get through the day without it, and somehow I've become the person who exclusively drinks Fable Grounds coffee. Every time I go on vacation, I think I should seriously bring some with me because nothing tastes like it. It's roasted in small batches in Maryland, and it's every book lover's dream. Fable Grounds has fandoms like Lord of the Rings, Six of Crows, and even some of our favorite Greek gods. The bag sizes range from two ounces all the way up to 12, so you can try a few different flavors before you find your perfect one. She also has gorgeous stoneware mugs that I use quite literally every single day. There is nothing like drinking coffee out of a stoneware mug. It is an experience, I'll say that. So check out Fable Grounds Coffee and use my code LLAMA10 to save on your next purchase. Hello, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good. I'm very excited. I have a special guest on today. If you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and say hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Kristen M. Long, and I'm the author of Thief of Sorrows, which is a gender-bend Robin Hood retelling, but with a very morally gray female lead uh, who not only steals from the rich and the corrupt, she kills them too. We love this. Yeah, we love we love some feminist rage. <laughs> <laughs> all the feminine rage. <laughs> yes. So we have four questions we ask all of our guests. You were on the Patreon last year, but if everyone didn't get a chance to listen, we'll, we're going to do them again. So my first question for you is, what is your favorite standalone? Oh, oh my gosh. Um, my favorite standalone would probably, I really love the book Lore by Alexandra Bracken. Yeah. I think I said her name right. Like the way that she, she spun Greek mythology and the twists within that book, I was so hung over from that book for a long time and it's more YA ish like it's gruesome but it's more I feel like on the YA ish kind of side of things but it was so good oh my gosh loved it I am a huge fan of urban fantasy too so like anytime mm -hmm. you can do that and then when it's a retelling I'm like this is good and she did a really I agree she did a really good job of kind of like it felt very like if Percy Jackson was willing to kill people and I love that yes absolutely way it was it did have the same percy jackson feel but very ruthless at the same time yes yeah i love that that's a great choice okay second to that what is your favorite series favorite series it's a dead tie for me between um throne of glass and uh, carissa broadbent's war of lost hearts yes like i i sobbed i had to pull over the car because i was crying so hard it was oh man it was so good Gosh, yeah it was amazing I have only read the first one of that. I plan to finish out the rest of the series this year. I'm nice. scared. <laughs> it's so good. I would highly recommend um, listening to them because mm -hmm. of the different accents and her learning a different language. It just, it adds that, that extra yeah. element to it. Yeah, I listened to the first one and I agree. I really like the way that she, like the narrator did a really good job with it for sure. Mm -hmm. I think it adds like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it adds a good element. And like, I'm one of those people, if I can't pronounce it, I'm just like, yeah, sure. But it's like- Same. Yeah, yeah, if you can hear it, it's so much better. It is, yes. Yeah, I love that. That's great choices. Okay. Uh, who is your ultimate book boyfriend? Resan. Hands down, Resan. Fair enough. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. So uh, your favorite series is Throne of Glass, but your favorite man is, is Resan. Yeah. Okay. All right. Who is your ultimate book girlfriend? Ooh. Um, I've never been asked that question. That's a good, that's a really good question. Uh, I would probably say... That was a hard one. Let me look. Let me look. I would still say uh, uh, Tizana. 
Okay. I love Tatiana. That's a great She's choice. just like such a kind-hearted person, but will kill you if she needs to. So yeah, just, that's very fair. That's a great mm-hmm. way to describe her. Okay. Yeah. I love it. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started into writing, all of that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I'm from a very, very small town uh, just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I started writing when I was a senior in high school. I got the idea for uh, Thief of Sorrows when I was 18. At the time, it was only going to be three books. First one was uh, Rising Fawn, which was before I knew there was a town in Georgia that's literally like 30 minutes from me called Rising Fawn. Did not know that. And so at the time, I knew I had the, the idea for the story, but I didn't have the heart for it. Like it was too big of an idea for me at the time. So that got put on the back burner, went to college and then graduated, couldn't find a job. So I went back to college, got my degree in nursing and um, with nursing school, you can't read, you can't write. It's just suffering for however long you're in it. And then about three, three months after I started nursing in the ER, uh, I had a pretty traumatic event with a patient who was six months old, who was essentially killed by his parents. And it was very gut-wrenching for, for me. It affected me really bad for a long time. And so I started travel nursing during COVID. And my mental health was was pretty low. And um, reading just wasn't cutting it because I use reading as an escape, which I know a lot of people do. I was home from an assignment when, I guess it was during the summer. And um, I found the manuscript for Rising Fawn. And I'm like, okay, well, how would it, like how, how would it change now? And so it just developed into this thing of that, that was my, my therapy. And I decided that this series was going to be a way for him to be remembered always. So he, his memory will still live on in some way. So writing is really a big therapy point for me. It's a good outlet. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. And yeah, it's just a really, really big, big part of my life. Reading is, my family is. I know, I'm pretty boring apart from that. Like I read and I crochet. I actually started a program. Well, it's not really a program. I'd like for it to become a program. I now crochet hats for preemie babies in the NICU. I had another kind of life-changing moment um, this past year that really got a lot of that emotion got put into Champion of Sorrows. And um, yeah, this this little girl, she just, she broke my heart in the, in the best possible way. Um, so I would like to do something charity wise with that and with the hat. So yeah. So just a lot of, a lot of different irons in the fire right now. And yeah, so. got a lot going on for sure. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I feel like I just word bombed it all over your body. No, you're fine. I love it. Yeah. I feel like, uh, I, I feel like people are always like, oh yeah, I'm a reader. And then that's all I do. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't like, I don't think people realize how much time it takes up. Like, you know, it's a, it's a big hobby. It's, it's okay. If that's, mm-hmm. if that's all you do. And then if you write on top of that, I feel like that's insane. Like the amount of time, energy, and effort it takes to write a book is astronomical. And I commend you for doing that. And also being a reader and crocheting, like you have a lot, you have a lot of irons in the fire. (laughs) Yeah, that's so fun. Oh my gosh. I love that. I also hope that can be a program for you because that's such a cute, fun, nice thing to do. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I can crochet in a straight line and that's it. So I can't contribute, but I will support you. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I love that. So what kind of drew you to the fantasy genre in the first place? You know, you said this is kind of an epic story you thought about when you were younger, but what kind of drew you to the, I I would call it high fantasy, but that kind of, you know, epic fantasy for this series particularly? I would say um, one of the things that I love about a really long series is that you, you really get to immerse yourself in the characters 
their relationships, their development, their journeys, and also the world itself. So having the freedom to flesh that out instead of like trying to cram it all into a trilogy, I, that's probably what drew, it, drew me to it the most. Um, I knew that, but for, for, for the, the, the three books that I had planned, I knew that that was not going to be long enough. Like there was way more to all these characters that I wanted to flesh out to give them a voice. And um, so I was like, okay, well, let's, you know, how, how long, I, I didn't want it to be like a will of time situation where it's yes. 14 books. That's yeah. way too much for, for me. Um, but I feel like, so the main series is going to have seven books. Mm -hmm. like, and I, I feel like that's a, a good, good number. But then I will be doing a prequel that will explain everything that happened beforehand and give a lot more context okay. to the past. And which, which I'll, you, you'll know most of the past by the end, but like the, the little moments between characters that, that, that gives it that, that extra flavor a little bit. That one I'm actually really excited to write. And the more that I start to plot out the rest of, this, of the series, I'm like, man, I really want to like make the prequel a trilogy, <laughs> but I, I'm not going to do that. That's that's too too long. It'll be like a big, big book. But okay. Um, but yeah, just allowing myself the freedom to explore the characters in the world is, is probably what drew me to it. Yeah, that's very fair. I feel like it's, uh, yeah, I feel like we were in the era of like trilogies for a while there, like back in 2020, 2021. And mm -hmm. I feel like it's been a long time since any of us have really gotten immersed into like a really long series. I think yeah. the last one I did was Throne of Glass and Game of Thrones. So I'm like, I love the idea of it. And I like that it's coming out like one at a time versus having to like binge all of them. Because right. I'm, I'm glad that I'm here as it's happening. Because I don't know if I have yeah. it in me to read like seven books all at once, but I like that they're coming out like one at a time. <laughs> yeah it, you get to slowly experience it like I, I love like with you know crescent city i mm -hmm. love build up that really looking forward to a book and like talking about it with your friends yes to, it's the experience of it is what i really really enjoy yeah i do and i love that you can like explain things away with fantasy versus mm -hmm. romance it's like it has to be realistic and i'm like sometimes i don't have time for that you know i have to be a little yeah. delusional yeah i feel the same way <laughs> yeah absolutely i love it so can you give us like a brief spoiler free overview of the series or at least the first two books that we know of so far so with thief of sorrows you have uh as old Catherine and her cadre who are these creatures called vera who were blessed or cursed uh, depending on how you, you want to look at it by the gods who um and that they have the ability to transform either into one creature or uh, manipulate an element they, they can do both but they can't do like two two animals or two two elements they are at the very top of the food chain in their world and the humans are at the very bottom and they exact their revenge on people who mistreat the humans and the half-bloods and when his old kills a lord of the land uh it brings two, two men back into her life uh one is liam who is her secret lover who um is shunned from her her homeland of, of thornwood because he joined the evil king's army for reasons that you'll learn in book more so in book two um and also gage who is the right hand of the king who is responsible for the death of azold's first love camden and when she when a bounty is placed on her head and she decides to steal the bounty um it puts people that she loves into the crosshairs people get taken people get hurt and she has to decide exactly how far she's willing to go to uh, to get them back and with book two you learn you see is old take desperate measures to get the people back that she loves and she's given an ultimatum that puts her at the mercy of the king and gage and one decision is made that will throw them into a fate that she was really trying very hard to avoid 
a lot of things are revealed in book two. A lot of secrets are told and some betrayal is done. And yeah, Zelda just has to face a fate that she never, ever thought she would have to face again. So yeah, you, you put them through quite a bit. <laughs> I was mean to them in two a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, maybe we'll have like a little bit of a happier ending and this. No, we will not be having a happier, not, not doing any of that. Uh-uh. <laughs> No, that's the that's the part about an epic series, though. I feel like ending it on a cliffhanger. I, I, I don't know. I don't think I've read a fantasy series in a while because mm -hmm. I got to the end and I was like. <laughs> Are we done? And then I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, wait, fantasy does do this where they end on a big cliffhanger and now I have to just sit here and suffer forever. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I think all of them, all of them will end on a cliffhanger. Um, five will be the worst. That's going to be Perfect. such a hanger. I'm so sorry. I can't wait so, to write it. I'm so sorry. So looking forward to that. Yeah. I, yep. I haven't read like an epic fantasy in a while. So I was like, oh, we're going to, this is going to be better. It's like, it's, you know, the, the end of the first one was a little rough. We're going into the second one. Lots of fun things are going to, not, not a lot of fun things are, this isn't great. Nothing's going well. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I love that. So you put your characters through quite a bit. Uh, obviously, there's a big found family element to this. What kind of inspired you to, you know, build the loyalty, build the found family, all of that kind of stuff? Where did you, um, are these like any of your characters inspired by people? That kind of thing. I would say it probably came from the family that I make at work. Like trauma bonding is a, is a true thing. And I'm very, very close with the people that I work with. I mean, I'm with them sometimes as much, if not more than my, my, my actual family. And so I love that aspect of you don't have to be blood to be family, that there are people that you can go to who have had similar experiences that know what you're going through, that you can talk to about certain things like with Malachi and his old. Well, and, and really, you know, all of them that they've all, except Bly's a, a little bit different with her background. Like the other three have not experienced that, but they, they all want her to feel like a, a part of the family that they, that she's protected, that she's safe. And I would say Malachi is probably, he's the one that I, is the person that I uh, inspire to be. Like he's the kind one, the patient one. He just very, very self, self-sacrificing, very sweet. As old as the one who says things that I can't say that I want to say <laughs> in real life. So, so, yeah, so she's, She's a good venter for like that, that's how, through her is how I vent. Um, yeah, Bly, Bly was actually inspired by um, a patient of mine that I had, who had a similar situation, mm -hmm. um, but just in more modern terms, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, Killian is the one is the a person who I would want to be with with someone who was in Bly's situation, who's mm -hmm. always there for her, who understands, and who is patient. Yeah. I like that. I love it. I'm always like curious because I, you're, you put the characters through a lot and they have a really great bond. And I feel like you do a great job of bringing them all together and showing like how loyal they are to each other. So I was curious if they were inspired by anyone in particular. So yeah, mm -hmm. I love that. So you're on your second book now. It hasn't come out yet, but how is this one kind of different than, you know, Thief of Sorrows? as far as marketing goes, hype, all that kind of stuff. What's this kind of been like experience wise for you releasing your second book? This one was more stressful, honestly, um, just because I really put myself on a very tight deadline. Um, I had originally wanted it to come out in October, but so did not happen. I traveled a lot this past year doing book events and balls and things like that. And then I worked quite a bit in the ER this, this past year. 
marketing, I really wanted the cover to be a secret up until like a month before its release. Um, I had a great time doing the arcs that were, that didn't have the cover on it. Mm -hmm. That was a fun experience to do that. I probably will not do that again though, because it's hard to, to promote a book without the actual cover. Like you, people want to see that, you know, pretty artwork, but yeah. that, that kind of thing. So it, but this is a learning process for me. So I probably won't do that again. I don't know if I'll ever do arcs again. We'll see. There's an event that I am going to next year that I'm, that might be the only event that I have arcs at. Okay. So we'll see. But yeah, I would say this book was much harder to write than one was just because I had, there are so many different plot point elements. Like you, you meet the King, his relationship with Gage, mm -hmm. like, and you see how he is with how certain people are treated. He doesn't tolerate it, but yet he'll tolerate other things, which there's a reason for why he does that. So just really making sure that I hammered him down very accurately in my head um, was difficult, but fun too, but, you know, kind of, kind of challenging. And I got to explore capital a lot, the cultural aspects with them and how things just operate there. So that, that was fun to do, but I also was very diligent or try, try to be very diligent in how certain things were portrayed and mm -hmm. someone's relative is not dead. We learned that. And so just really being very cautious with that too, and very respectful in what she's going through mm -hmm. at the time and with um, one of the main people. So yeah, it was a different experience, but one that, I don't know, it, it gave me confidence going into three. Okay. Like I really did not have a lot of confidence with two. I had imposter yeah. syndrome, horrible, horrible. And, but uh, now that I've gotten some, some feedback about two, I'm, I'm happy with it and I'm, I'm happy with the story. So very excited going into three. I've written the first chapter of three and I've got a good starting point for, for this, for the second chapter. Yeah. So, and you have it all plotted out. So we're going into it. <laughs> yeah. Very, very excited about three. I love that. Yeah. I feel like it's really stressful. Like, you know, you kind of go into the first one and you're like, you have no, n like, you don't want to say no expectations, but you don't have an expectation of what it's actually going to be like. And it hasn't happened yet. Oh. And then the second one, you're like, oh, this wasn't the same as the first, or this is like so much better than the first and all those sorts of things. So I was really mm -hmm. curious what that's the prep work and the behind the scenes has kind of been like for you leading up to this release. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just really making sure that like it, it kind of jumps around quite a bit, especially in the middle mm -hmm. of the book. You go from Isolde to, to this person, to this person, this person. And I did that to try to make, to keep the tension building. So yeah. like I, I, every chapter, it kind of left you hanging a little bit. Then you had to go back to that one person. So it made yeah. you want to keep reading. So I tried that a little bit this time. I, I feel like it worked okay. I hope it did anyway. Yeah, um, I love that. We were having this discussion, a little bit of a spoiler for Crescent City 3, but we were having this discussion about the point of view like jumping and I like when it ends on it when it's a chapter jump versus yeah. like a paragraph like you're okay I done I've ended that person's point of view is gone and now we're going to the next chapter and I know what I'm like mentally prepared for so I yeah. I did love that and I like that we got kind of different points of view and it wasn't yeah. like it wasn't out of nowhere right like you know you kind of ended that story cliffhanger ending of that chapter and then you go into the next one and you're like oh, okay I'm committed to this so I love that Good, good. Yeah, I wanted it to be a situation where I wanted you to keep reading like, oh, mm -hmm. man, I've got to find out like I've got to get through, not get through this person's chapter, but like, it, it made you hunger for more. Yeah, you're like, oh, I got to get through it. And then once you get about halfway into their chapter, you're like, wait, I'm invested in this. And then there's ends yeah. and you go back to the person you were waiting for. And then you're like, 
I don't, I, I'm very into everything that's happening. So yeah, I think that's, I think that works really well in a fantasy and it helps with the pacing a lot. And then you're kind of interested in like every little thing that's going on as you go mm -hmm. further into it, especially once you get the idea that it's going to happen, like that, you know, it's going to change point of views. I, yeah. I, yeah, I like that. Definitely adds a Good. lot. Good. Yeah. It makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. So you attended a lot of events this year uh, and last, well, I got, like last year, really. Uh, what mm -hmm. was that like for you? Did you like any, any, anything you want to share about those? Oh my gosh. Last year was, it was chaos, but it was yeah. wonderful chaos. Um, I had such an amazing time getting to meet readers. Like it's different meeting people online versus like in person. Mm -hmm. And it's so heartwarming to hear, like to talk to somebody like yeah. and tell you that they, they loved your book, that they want to buy your book. Like it's, it makes it all, all worth it. Um, books, gowns and crowns was absolutely incredible. Love that. I can't wait for October. It's going to be in mm -hmm. Seattle. Um, the Maven Masquerade Ball with uh, lore, lore Makers, I think. Yeah, I think that one looks so fun. It was a lot of fun. I'll be in Shreveport for their Silly Soiree in mm -hmm. April. Um, let's see. There's there's several this year that's that's coming down the pipe. Um, the Valar Starfall Ball, which is actually on my birthday. I'm very excited oh. about that. Uh, it, it, it'll be a fun night. Is that it's the one in, in Colorado? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So very excited about it. Um, but I was super nervous uh, going into, I think books, gowns and crowns might've been my, my first one. Mm -hmm. and it was a big event. So very nervous, but it was a really good, um, uh, icebreaker and everyone was super nice. I had a lot of my, my book friends were there, so they're super supportive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it was a really, really good experience. I, I love doing events. If I could do them all year round, I could, I would, but it's very expensive to do. Yeah. <laughs> very it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of travel. Um, one of my favorite events that I did though, probably it was a, a Barnes Noble book signing in Seattle, Washington and, uh, Laura Horowitz who did the, uh, the audiobook for thief. Mm -hmm. She came and did it with me. And so getting That's to meet awesome. Laura in person, we hung out in Seattle, had an amazing turnout that Barnes and Noble up there is incredible. Oh, yeah. Super nice people. Um, very supportive. They made sure like they really promoted the event well, which if you promote an event, well, it's going to do well. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was a very, very special one for me. Yeah. So. They all looked really fun. So I was kind of curious, which one was your favorite? <laughs> Probably uh, books, books, gowns and crowns. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Jordan, that... Jordan did a great job. Yeah. And it's like, it's, that is absolutely your audience too. And it's like you, it's so fun to get together with all of these people that enjoy the same genre as you. And they're like going into it with that vibe. Like, I feel like there's a lot of romance conventions and then, then there's a lot of fantasy and it's the vibes are vibing and all of them. So I love it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. I don't know if I'm going to go to that one this year, but I do want to, we'll see. You should. It'd be fun. I know it's Seattle's kind of a, it's one of those ones that's a little expensive to get to. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. So I am curious what kind of inspired your magic system and all of the different kind of elements that you put into it. Cause it's not just shifters and it's not, you know, uh, just elemental magic and all those sorts of things, but what kind of inspired you to create the magic system? I guess, I don't really know. Like, I guess it's just probably a, a collection of like different books that, that I've read and movies that, that I've seen throughout my life, just like different pieces that I always thought was really cool. Like I love, like i I love Twilight. So I, and I love the idea of being able to transform into a wolf. I love that idea. Um, but at the same time, it just, I don't know, like I had to, I, I feel like for mine, I wanted a balance of power. So mm -hmm. I wanted it to be viewed more as 
kind of like a curse than a blessing because they're constantly fighting that power. They're constantly fighting that, that draw to have more power to use more. And the more you use, the more you lose yourself to it. Yeah. Um, so, and I feel like that, that creates decent tension within the book and forcing them to kind of keep a check on themselves, which that will also, a lot of that will, will come into play later on. And uh, with book two, I got to really explore a bit more of what those powers are. Like you saw different mm-hmm. facets of like what an earth wielder can do. Um, and like uh, uh, Killian's limitations with his wind wind wielding ability compared to what his old can do, mm-hmm. and so that that was fun getting to explore that. And then you see someone else that is not dead that you thought was dead in book one; mm-hmm. they're just changed. And so getting to explore that later on in the books and how certain someone can hear them but others can't. There's a mm-hmm. reason for that too. So that was fun getting to kind of see like okay well that if I can do that then here here and here but also at the same time making sure with plot holes like yeah hammering those down really really hard and having reasons for why people can certain people can and certain people can't one thing I'm very excited to explore is um it was in book one and it was at the tapestry uh you saw shadows yeah around so that will come into play later on as well in a big big way so yeah yeah, that's going to be good. Okay. Yeah, I feel like this is a really unique magic system, like I said, because it's not just one thing. It's not just shifters. It's not just the gods. It's not just the, you know, elemental magic. It's kind of like a combination of all of them. And I feel like you're, like you said, it helps with like the power dynamic. You're like, okay, well, the bad guys can't be the most bad because if they do this, then they're going to forget who they are and they're going to become like this different version of themselves. So I, I agree with you. I feel like it, it adds a lot of tension and it adds a lot of like not impossibility i don't know if that's the right way to say that like it makes it seem like the bad guys are not impossible to beat in like a very good way right yeah i didn't want the power the power balance to be more outweighed than the other because Mm -hmm. it's going to be well this is impossible to do or it's not going to be that big of a challenge for the good guys if they're all powerful and the bad guys are down here and they can't compete with the good guys so i want it to be a pretty equal playing field for both sides because they're all kind of equal in their abilities for the like they they either can transform or they can't or they can wield an element or they can't so it's all fairly for the most part even yeah um so which helps again with with, with tension so definitely i love that so is there a character that you relate to the most um probably it's old okay i I would say (laughs) um yeah very much so especially with her like um her mental struggles as well mm-hmm. uh, I, I relate to that quite a bit I put a, a lot of my own self into her yeah I, I would say is old probably yeah, yeah. but I, would, I want to be more like Malachi but I <laughs> very much more like a girl but unfortunately I am her <laughs> so. yeah is there a character that you struggled to write mm-hmm. Liam okay do you relate to him the least or was he just harder to write he was just harder to write because there's a lot to Liam that mm-hmm. you don't learn for a while. Okay. And I really had to, I was very careful with how he said things with what he did, with what decisions he made. And yeah, he's, and he's, he's, he's just a baby. He just wants, he just wants her to be chill. Yeah. He just, he's, <laughs> he's really just trying to keep the peace, you know, he's just doing what he can. <laughs> he's just doing what he can, but yeah, he's, he's one that I, I, have to take great great care with him mm-hmm. yeah i think like, he's probably in my opinion is like a really complicated character but in a way that like you haven't told us 100 percent yet 
So like, we mm-hmm. don't know, but you have to know. And then it's like balancing that line of like, how much have you told the reader yet versus like, you know, how much of that has to be the vibe that we need to get without, you know, you spelling it out for us. So mm-hmm. I could definitely see how he would be a hard character to put together. Yeah. There's a certain point in the story when that I can't wait to write and for, and for y'all to read and just to see the reactions to it. Yeah. It's going to be hilarious, but at the same time, like, sorry. <laughs> so sorry about that. Is it coming in the fifth one? <laughs> No comment. (laughs) All right. Well, great. Great. Awesome. I love that. So what made you decide to do the Robin Hood retelling? I just always loved the idea of Robin Hood, (laughs) of um, stealing from the rich to give to the poor. Um, Someone who, which I guess in the classical Robin Hood, he was one of those very, very wealthy people. Mm -hmm. He was in that class and he went against the grain in a different way. And yeah, basically went against all um, expectations of his class to help those that were considered beneath them. And mm-hmm. I just really, really liked that, that story. And also I love to shoot the bow. So yeah, I really like that idea and the whole found family thing. It's just like living out in the woods, which I, I live in Tennessee and I played in the woods all the time mm-hmm. as a kid. So I just really, really like all those aspects of Robin Hood. Yeah. It's, it's like one of those ones you don't like think about that often, but then when someone says that, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I loved the um the Disney version with the fox yes. that, that was like one of my favorite Disney films of all time loved it yeah that's a good one I, I think that's everyone is saying now it's so funny because you know once upon a broken heart or just came out and all those sorts of things and everybody's like am I attracted to foxes am I like into this now and I'm like do you guys not yeah. remember Robin Hood like and someone yeah. said that the other day and I was like that's right this is where it all started <laughs> yep it did you're exactly right yeah that's right he started it all that's the guy <laughs> I love it. So what is your favorite type of scene to write or types of scene to write? Um, I'm very much like a, a mood writer. I would say I love to write the fight scenes because I put on my Star Wars score mm-hmm. and I write that. I also love the, these scenes usually happen very, very late at night. Really emotion, emotionally gutting scenes like okay. the one with his old Malachi. Like the cover I, of darkness. <laughs> yes like yeah. the really emotionally toiling ones I really enjoy writing um okay. great I don't know why I do uh it's just it really helps stretch my writing muscles if that makes sense and really helps me develop and I don't know I just like to write really gut-wrenching scenes very fair I'm, I'm happy for you, you. <laughs> I'm not happy for us but I mean they're really good to, to read but it's it's a lot it's very uh, yeah, there's a lot of emotion and like emotional turmoil that goes into those. So I'm, I'm shocked those are your favorite. It's also a good way to emotionally vent, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. If I've had a really, really bad day at work, I I write then mm-hmm. like, that night and I feel better. Like yeah. I feel it's less, I feel less heavy. Yeah, really cathartic it, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Is there a type of scene you struggle to write? Um... If I know that I have to present information, I don't want it to be like an info dump. So I have to create a situation where that information has to be presented at a certain way. Like I don't want, I don't want it to be boring. Like I have Mm -hmm. to keep things rolling. And so um, like when they, in book two, when they first get to a certain location and you learn the history of that place, like I wanted you, you're walking through it, you learn the history, you get Mm -hmm. a little bit backstory with his old who told her all this stuff and about the past and so 
that that kind of stuff um, is a little bit difficult for me to write, making sure that certain Easter eggs are placed at, at certain points, but not making them glaringly obvious, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, and like kind of making it flow with what's going on at the mm -hmm. time versus, yeah, just sort of telling you this is where they are and this is what's happening. I yeah. feel like that would be really hard too because it's like you're trying not to give too much away, but you also need enough that like they have to know what's going on and you're not trying to make it, like you said, an info dump that's like a little bit boring. Right. That would be very hard. You do a great job at it, but I oh, thank you. do it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. Okay. So do you have any advice for any aspiring authors? Um. Yes. So I, I like to tell people, number one, let other people read your work. That's not your friend. Okay. Because your friend will always tell you it's great, even though it might, might not be. Mm -hmm. Find readers who are going to be very honest with you, but not mean, but honest. Um, and then your first draft is going to be trash. Just go ahead and just know that. Mine is horrible. I, I've kept the first draft of Thief and of Champion. I'll always keep those. Because um, it's cool to go back and see from where you started to how it ended. Yeah. It's very, it's really cool to see. So don't be discouraged if your first draft is terrible. That's just you getting the story down. If you have the story down, then you have your, your basic building frame. You're, mm -hmm. you're, you're good. To go. Um, and then you have to start writing it. It'll never happen unless you start writing it. It's a, it's a scary process, but even if you just write a couple of sentences a day, you're mm -hmm. still making progress. So yeah, just go, go, go for it. Go forth and conquer. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really hard to kind of like put the story out there and then you're like, okay, what, what do I do next? And then have someone critique it and look at it or tell you, you know, you have to fix those things. I feel like that would be the hardest part of the process is like the critique or people, you know, helping you edit. I, I would just cry. So that's um, me. And I, I, I used to be that, that way, like really bad, but I have a really good editor named Katie Wolf, which if anyone needs a good editor, go to Katie. She's wonderful. She's really good about She'll give you a lot of positives and, and then give you a negative. Like, mm -hmm. so she's very, she's good about building up your, your confidence. Um, but also she, and even if it, it is a critique, she gives you options. She says, well, maybe try it this way. Like she's not mean about it at all. She's mm -hmm. honest, but she's not mean about it. Yeah. That's what you need. You need someone who's honest, but not mean. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I love that. That's yeah. 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 Very hard. Can't even imagine. <laughs> I'm, I'm very sensitive sometimes. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, no, no, it, it's fine. I, I will just scrap the whole thing. It's no, it's fine. I'll just never write again. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I love that. So how is this process for you kind of different from Champion of Sorrows versus Thief of Sorrows as far as like the plotting and all of that goes? Do you feel mm -hmm. like it was a little bit easier, a little harder? What was, what was that kind of like for you? Um, I would say it's, it was a, a pretty even playing field, I would say, because with Thief, you're, you're introducing these people. You're, you're, mm -hmm just starting out with the world you want to give like certain impressions of these people you know starting out like with his old and the very sentence the, the first sentence of book one is she kills somebody so right you know she's ruthless and she's she'll, she'll do what she has to do um but with book two i feel like you're you're really starting to step more into the plot like it you you know it, it's kind of like when you're climbing a hill book one you're starting that incline two you're definitely starting up a bit more so just really being very cautious of not giving away what's going to be coming in the following books mm -hmm. um, I've dropped little easter eggs uh a tiny little easter egg for seven in book two little little baby ones I actually there was an easter egg in the first few chapters of one that told you something it was very very subtle yeah so 
Um, but now that you've read two, you might be able to go back. You, you, you might pick it up now yeah. that you know certain things. But yeah, so just really being cautious about not giving away too much. There was one line that I almost did not put in in Champion, but I wanted, I kept it in there because I wanted to show the relationship dynamic between three people. Mm-hmm. Um, I was worried that it would give the ending away too soon, but I, I really, really wanted it in there just to show how much these three people loved each other. Yeah. It was very even playing field. It was more plot driven in two more building the world and giving you a good foundation for one and who these people are and make you love them and care about them. Right. So then that carry on to two. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I feel like it'd be really hard when you're plotting out seven books to make sure you're not like leaving any plot holes, but then also not spoiling or like giving stuff away too soon. Like Mm -hmm. that would be really hard. And then trying to figure out the pacing for all of those is, is very epic. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's been fun. And uh, one thing too, for, uh, for all, for future authors, um, get good beta readers because they'll tell you for plot holes, like mm-hmm. one of mine, and I love him to pieces. He was like, Hey, this is a little bit too wordy, like too flowery or whatever. So I went yeah. in and I cut like 10,000 words off of the book. And I'm like, yeah, this flows so much better. It's much tighter. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So just making sure it's not too, too wordy and it flows well. So yeah, that's good advice for sure. Beta mm-hmm. readers are essential. <laughs> Uh, yes crucial crucial yeah so you have a lot of like special editions sprayed edges all kinds of fun fancy things that are going on for for this series can you talk a little bit about those yeah so i am doing a special edition with uh, acrylic bookish nook and i love them to death that they are one of the best companies that i've ever worked with they truly care about the author and their work they want to do the best job possible that edition for two, which the entire set will have a picture once the series is completed. Um, and I, I can't wait for everyone to see what the final picture is because it's the whole reason, it's the whole reason for the book for, for the book to for the series to even exist. Um, the next installment will be an arrow is is like the front part of the design. So the next installment will be will be the next piece of the picture have the overlays in it the same as uh, book one did, but it'll be Blyana Killian and then the scene with Isolde and Malachi. That will, we haven't hammered out a release date yet, but I'm guessing it's going to be at the end of March, beginning of April Okay. for them. In the end, I am doing sprayed edges to have only at signing events. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, just because it's, it's a lot of, like, because I, I have to get the books in, make sure that they are in order, like the the cover's not damaged, like, because yes. I, I want the best quality, like, but before she sprays them and then sends them back and they're so, something that um, the printers did messed up. Mm-hmm. So I ship them to her. She does her thing. Then she ships them back to me. So it's a lot of back and forth. So that's why it's only, they're only going to be at signing some. I'm hoping to have the first batch at um, the Sealy Soiree. Okay. When is that? That is April 13th. Okay. So pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll have to be like a rush order. <laughs> so, Here. Yeah. Yeah. If, if worse comes to worse, then I'll just do like a, a pre-order thing. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I might have one and be like, yeah, I'll ship. I'll do free shipping if this is what you want. You tell me what, who is it to? And if you yeah. want to quote it, then I'll mail it to you once, the, once they're in. Okay. I'm very excited to see those and see what they look like. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. So, yeah. I love that. I, I haven't quite decided yet what the quote's going to be on the side. I really like um, Mercy Does Not Become You if it will fit mm-hmm. on the side of it. 
a lot of words, but I have faith. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see what, what, what she can come up with. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. So what's kind of next for you on the docket? What's the, the release schedule timeline, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's supposed to be out February 27th. Um, my formatter still has it. I just got the hardcover in today. So I'm just going to go through and look at it, make sure that there's nothing that needs changed, start to get stuff going on Ingram and mm-hmm. then have the pre-orders up. Hopefully, hopefully by the middle of February, I'm hoping I started writing book three that I'm shooting for a May of 2025 release. Nice. Okay. Cause I'm, I'm giving myself plenty of time because I just to enjoy writing. So almost, it was really, really rushed for me. I, yeah. I feel like the two. And so I don't want to do that again, nor do I want to release a book in the middle of tax season. That's exhausting. So I don't want to do that again because <laughs> I, I did it for Thief and I did it for Champion. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that again. Um, way too much. And then I'm submitting a short story to As Above As Is Below. It's an, an anthology that a publishing house is doing. Her name is Paige. I cannot remember her last name. I'm so sorry. Um, but she uh, is, is the one that's doing it. And it's for dark fantasy and dark, dark romance authors. Okay. And it is more than likely going to be the prequel to my vampire book. Okay. I'm going to be submitting. So I have about 2000 words written of it. And it is the relation, the premise of it is of the, the the prologue is the relationship between a vampire and death how a vampire is their greatest enemy but also their greatest asset too so it's the relationship between the two. Oh, i like that that sounds really interesting thanks yeah i've, I've had a, a lot of fun writing it too so yeah. i'll probably get it done this week i hope actually i might, might work on it if i don't have any patience tonight so there you go <laughs> yeah i love that oh my gosh that's so fun i feel like it's really hard to be like, oh, I'm going to put this out and you want to get it out as like fast as possible. But then you're like, I kind of lose a little bit of the writing like mm-hmm. process. You kind of lose a little bit of yourself when you rush through it and you feel like you don't get to do like the little things that you want to make sure go well if you if you kind of go faster than you want to. Yes. And um, oh, another piece of advice for authors <laughs> is read, read, yes. read as much as you possibly can. And that's one thing I did not do very much of this past year. And I, it really affected me writing wise, mm-hmm. but the creative flow just wasn't as prominent as it was in thief, which I wrote thief. It took me t- two years to write thief, but that was also planning out the seven or eight books. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's something I will, it's going to be more of a uh, priority for me in 2024 and 25 with writing three is making sure that I have time to read. Yeah. So, and taking a mental break and enjoying someone else's story too. Yeah. No, I love that. That's, that's really good advice for sure. So what events are you headed to this year? I know we talked a little bit about it, but which ones are kind of confirmed for this upcoming year? Uh, so the Silly Soiree, um, I will be at a Polycon. I'm not signing at a Polycon, but I'll be there like hanging out and goofing off and bugging all the authors and stuff. Yeah. Um, I have Alexia Valaris in, um, in Orlando, which is May 18th. And then the next weekend is the Valaris Starfall Ball. Okay. in Colorado mm-hmm. and then uh booked in chaos in South Carolina um romanticy book con in Orlando mm-hmm. uh booked gowns and crowns in Seattle um a not at a not in Terrison with um Archer management group they're doing that event that sounds like a lot of fun it's in Baltimore and then oh there's one more I think in November and then December 
seventh is uh, Winter Solstice, who are this in um, North Carolina. And they're the same company that is doing the Bilar Star Starfall Ball. Um, okay. So very excited about it. And then in 2025, I will be in Belfast, Ireland, doing Belfast and ball gowns. With, oh my um, gosh, how fun. Day. Yeah, very excited about that. That's going to be fun. I've never heard of that one. I'm going to have to look that one up. You should. You should come and be fun. Hang out in Ireland. Yeah, that sounds so fun. Oh my gosh, you're going to a lot. You're you're really doing the thing. Um, I'm putting forth all the effort into it. Yep. Yeah, I love it. That's fantastic. It's so fun. Oh. Awesome. So I have one last question for you. My question is, where can everybody find you on the bookish interwebs? Um, so you can find me on, um, Instagram and on TikTok. It's the, the they're the same handle. It's Kristen.m.long. Uh, my website is kristenmlong.com. I've got all my, uh, upcoming events, uh, along with links to a, a pre-order form and, uh, where to get tickets for events as long as they're not sold out. Oh, I have a, um, a newsletter, which I need to get better about doing. I'm really bad about doing a newsletter. It's just one, one more thing to do. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. The newsletter is really hard. <laughs> it's very difficult to do because I don't know what to say half the time. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm writing, still writing. I'm, I'm here. I'm doing I'm still thing. here. I promise. <laughs> I'm around. I'm alive. Yeah, that's fair. I, yeah, I, I support you not doing a newsletter. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and chatting with me. I'm so excited for your book to come out in a couple of weeks. It's so soon. Yes. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for, for having me. It's always a pleasure doing, uh, do, doing this with you. Yay. Yay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you aren't following us, go ahead and follow us on TikTok and Instagram at the bookish banter podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And thank you guys again for all of your support. Have a great day.